Welcome to the Car Dealer Pro podcast. Today we've got James from uh, Elite Pre-Owned uh, Vehicles and uh, we're going to have a little chitty chat with him. So, yeah, how are you doing, mate? You all right? Yeah, I'm, I'm good, Dave. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I, I feel like I'm sort of following in some pretty large footsteps with the people you've had on these podcasts. Yeah. So um, I'm happy. I'm more than more than happy to be considered to be following those footsteps, even if I can't, uh, even if I can't quite feel them just yet. So yeah, thanks for having us on anyway. Oh, that's great, mate. Well, um, that, that I know you from like the forum and whatnot. I must admit, you you, you have me in stitches all the time mate, <laughs> with some of the stuff you come out with. So if if you could like sum sum up your business in two minutes. Sure, no problem. So uh, we initially started, we say, so it's a royal we there. Um, I, I started the business um, around about three years ago. Um, I was a quantity surveyor prior to this and worked in construction, and I was pretty much miserable uh, to the point I was actually on antidepressants and having therapy and all sorts of things and it turned out all I needed to do was just change my job um, and that just was like a, a you know a switch being uh, flicked um, and immediately I came off the meds and didn't need any therapy so um, I sort of I bought a couple of cars and like we all did you know made a loss of the first couple of cars and you learn and have to learn pretty quick and that was from home predominantly you know I, I would store a couple of cars at my aunt's because she's got quite a big drive fortunately and she's only 15 minutes up the road I'd tax a few and things like that and store them, you know, dotted around, rent parking spaces and just do everything I could not to annoy my neighbours by having multiple cars parked outside my house. And then um, two years ago, um, I, I made the step into a unit and, you know, I've gone from having sort of like three or four cars into uh, a stock now of, of somewhere around 20 to 22 um, with around about 16 advertised, that's generally what I try and keep it as. I, I find that uh, the more I have advertised, the, the busier I am, sort of thing, yeah. which is fairly yeah. obvious. And, um, and that on auto trade, then is that your main one? Yes, I've tried other mediums. I've tried car gurus. I've tried eBay, um, and um, to be frank, they were all rubbish for me. And yeah. auto trade, and I know a lot of people don't like them, and a lot of people slag them off and moan about the bill. But as an ROI, which is all that really counts when you compare an advertising, as an ROI. Nothing else comes close to Auto yeah. Trader. So yeah. rather than waste four or five hundred quid on an eBay package or a you know, car guru's package anymore, I'm just like they don't work. I've tried them, yeah. and I obviously get phone calls from them all, and you know they try and get you back, and you just you know I'm to the point where I'm very blunt with car guru car gurus now they ring up and I'm more or less telling them to f off. You know, like yeah. I can't be blunt enough. I don't think to get rid of these guys because they insist on trying to get me back into a package. But I've been there, done that, and Auto Trader is the only thing that really works for us. Uh, in terms of what we sell, it's everything between sort of three grand up to thirty grand. Really, I used to sell predominantly lumpy German stuff, which is kind of where my heart lies, I suppose. Yeah. But um, I, I sort of quickly realised that I need to have a bit more of a spread, and um, I think having a stock profile is a little bit of vanity as well. You know, main dealers obviously they don't have much choice. You know, they have to sell their brand, whatever it is. But for me. Um, you know, trying to sort of pigeonhole myself as a German specialist or a 7-6 specialist or whatever it is, there's a little bit of vanity going on there. And I think whatever that you can find a margin in, sell. So, yeah. um, you know, I don't I don't claim to be a specialist. And, and as much as I'd like to flood my showroom with certain cars, which I'm sure we'll cover later on, um, I don't. And, and it's whatever I can get a margin in. And I'll, I'll sell pretty much everything from three grand up to 30, really. Yeah. And, um, yeah, go about that advertising. So have you completely cut off eBay Motors? As well, like 
Yeah, I had one. I had one contract with them, which was three months, I think. Um, and to be fair, that was a long time ago, because sort of a couple of years ago. So things might have changed. And I know there are people that do okay out of them. And, and Nick from Lovely Cars, I know, has a sort of a grandfathered in rate, which makes it you know uh, yeah. cheap enough that he, he can't not have it if that yeah. makes sense yeah. whereas for me I don't know the, the thought of having a 450 quid a month contract yes. with eBay for three months it doesn't really fill me with any that, 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 that's what I'm on that really cheap one so yeah. that's why I can't get rid of it because it's and that's, yeah. if it does you two sales a month you know like or even Christ one sale a month for that yeah. you know like it, it's not a bad ROI you know yeah. it's not a bad return on your investment so why not but for me coming in 400, 450 quid a month or whatever it is for a 20 car package yeah. it, it doesn't it doesn't interest me in the slightest yeah, if, it, if it was 450 I, I wouldn't be having it, it I think yeah. it's like 180 plus VAT but I've had it for like five years so it's yeah, cheap. There's yeah. no two ways about that, and, and you're fortunate, I suppose, to be on that sort of grandfathered rate. Yeah. Whereas, yeah, most people coming into it fresh would, would wouldn't get anywhere near those rates. And I'm sure eBay are fed fed up with people ringing up and saying, "Oh, but Nick from Lovely Cars has got this yeah. rate." And like, yeah, that's it. Yeah, we've heard that. You know, it's probably quite a legend. Yeah. Uh, eBay Towers, Nick. He's been, you know, he's been yeah. told so many times that. Uh, that he's got a better rate, but uh, yeah. So for me, it's auto trade all the way. I am growing social media. I've got a chap who used to work for Click Dealer, uh, a guy called Joe Podmore, who has uh, you know a good reputation in the industry, and he, and he's growing my social media. I'm not really seeing anything in terms of an ROI from it. Yeah, but it's more of a grand uh, sort of a, a brand growing exercise yeah. rather than just like. Oh, I haven't sold any cars. But I'm about five months into that, and I always said I'd give it six months and review where it is. So yeah. after Christmas, I'll have a chat with Joe, and we'll see where we go. But So I'm, I'm pushing social media a bit and trying to grow the brand rather than just throw a car in people's face and expect them to ring and, you know, just yeah. white, flag, white flag the deal, you know? Yeah, social media, it's just like, it's it's sort of like the, the, the buying experience, you know, that, that funnel, you know, they go on Auto Trader, then they'll go and have a look at your website, then then you'll they'll see Google ads, uh, Google reviews, and then they'll have a look at you on Facebook or Instagram or whatnot, and it just builds that like confidence with the customer, doesn't it? That that's what that's I, the idea. Yeah, yeah. That, I that's think it. I think that's the general idea. It's because you know people, particularly if you're selling you know a, a, you know a relatively expensive car, you know somewhere around the sort of ten to twenty grand mark. People aren't just going to sort of look at the auto trader over and call you. They're going to be like, right, what's this business all about? And if they got yeah. good reviews, and yeah. you know, most people are on Facebook, social media, or whatever. So most people. So yeah, I, I, you know, like you say, it's more about growing that brand or, or being being seen as being respectable yeah. on multiple platforms yeah. rather than just one. Yeah, and, and what I like with like Instagram is, say, someone you've you've got a good picture on Auto Trader, and then they go on your Instagram, and it's all like nice professional pictures and whatnot. It just it just really helps, you know, with the customer. They've sort of already bought it before they've they've, they've come to see it. You know, they've bought it in the mind, haven't they? Yeah, it just re-emphasizes and, and re-enhances your their initial impression of the car and your business by just yeah. um, providing some further backup, I suppose, to the credibility of your business and the cars that you sell. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's definitely it's definitely not, um, you know, I, I always thought that uh, you just stick an advert on, on Facebook and someone's going to ring and it, it yeah. doesn't, you know. And, and Rory, to be fair, Rory from RS Car Sales told me way back when that um, it's, it's a softly, softly catch the monkey approach with, with Facebook in particular. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I wrote off a certain amount of money that I would have to pay this chap um, and, you know, uh, I'm hopeful, hopeful that I'll see the, 
the uh, the dividends from it in, in months to come rather than just instant gratification. With yeah, it. yeah, you will definitely. And um, so, what what's like your typical day as a car dealer then? Um, I mean, it's because it's just myself and I've got a chap who works here as a sort of valeter. He does a bit of driving and, you know, if there are sort of small jobs to do around the place. Um, it, it's, it's, I pretty much do everything from buying to selling to dropping cars off for MOTs. I'm quite remote where I am, so I do kind of waste a, a fair amount of time per week in dropping cars around um, to, you know, doing the odd machine polish. and just So it's, it's pretty much everything from buying to selling and then any additional bits and pieces that need doing around the building. I've just installed some uh, CCTV and some additional sort of security. Not that I needed to for you know for recent breakings or anything like that, but just felt I needed to beef things up a little bit. So because of my previous background, I suppose years ago I was a bench joiner, which to the layman is like a carpenter, I guess. Um, I've kind of developed a set of skills which have been transferable into the business, and you know I've laid flooring and done a bit of tiling and you know just some basic sort of diy stuff i suppose yeah. really so i'll do bits and pieces like that that's as required around the you know the building um i certainly don't turn up in a you know in a in a suit um i present myself in a pair of jeans and boots and you know quite often i'm found on my knees trying to <laughs> stick a bit of trim, stick a bit of trim back on or something like that uh, but, yeah so it's everything and anything between you know buying selling maintenance Machine polishing, uh, you know the odd valet if needed. You know I don't mind. I'm not. Uh, I'm not. I'm not. Um, I'm not that precious that I wouldn't get involved in a yeah. bit of the nitty gritty as well. You know? Yeah, same here, mate. Same here. Um, yeah, you've you've just like I think people think oh, car dealers you just just sit in the office all day and wait for the phone to go and customers to come. But my, my like ethos is you, you've got to keep busy. You've got to keep doing stuff. If yeah. you're just waiting for the phone to call. It's, it's just not going to happen, is it? No, it's not. And that is um, quite a sort of salvation almost. When I'm when I'm quiet and there have been periods when I'm not, you know, in the early days, I, did, you know, I think it was three weeks I didn't sell a car for. And you can imagine that would drive, you know, some people absolutely like mental. But <laughs> the way that I get through those quiet periods is literally by polishing a car or by, um, yeah. you know, just refreshing some paintwork. Oh, I'll just do that little job that's been sitting there for months. I'll go and do it now. Yeah. And you have to keep them. Before you know it, the phone's ringing again and it's like, oh, okay, well, you, you forget that there was a quiet period because you didn't, as you say, sit at the desk. And don't get me wrong, there's a fair amount of me sitting on my backside, you know, looking on YouTube and, you know, there's, there's a fair amount of that <laughs> goes on. Don't get me wrong. Um, my office is quite warm. Compared a fair amount of sitting on my backside doing nouts, but um, if I feel the need to, to get up and do something, I'll just get up and do it. And it doesn't, it passes the time. I'll yeah. That's what it's about, isn't it? Passing the time to Definitely. The There's always something to do. And um, so, what? Always. What, you always make, honestly, there's always something to do. And what's your, your worst uh, like habit as a car dealer? What you, th you think? Um, I, I, I don't, I mean, I've got some, I suppose, some personal traits i suppose that are probably not desirable um when it comes to customer facing i'm quite direct i suppose so if i was to say that there was you know a bad habit i'm probably sometimes a little bit too direct yeah but my um my valitor chris he, he says like when he when he first <laughs> when he first turned up he was here about two weeks and he said i can't quite believe how you deal with <laughs> you deal with customers he said but it works it yeah. works like i'm not saying i'm rude um but i guess i'm quite direct and i I suppose I'm 
I find myself needing to polish up my uh, diplomatic skills from time to time. So I suppose my worst my worst habit would be being probably a little bit too direct with with people but it's just my nature i think i'm just i am very open honest straightforward heart and sleeve sort of thing i do yeah. you know i don't pull any punches or bullshit i just it, it's you know it, it, and if if that is not soft enough then that's okay i'm sorry if you've called if i've caused offense but that's just why i am sort of thing but i guess i could probably do with brushing up on some I could do with a, probably a couple of days in a main dealer. That's all I could manage, really. <laughs> Just on how, how to say yes, sir, no, sir, three bags full, sir. Of course, yeah. we'll, you know, of course we'll touch that stone chip in for you, sir. No problem, sir. Just sign here, please, sir. Yeah. I could probably, do, probably do with a bit of that, I suppose. I think the thing is, though, like, if, you, if you're too nice with customers... Then they just take the, the mick out of you, don't they? Like, oh, he'll do everything for us, and, and the, it's getting that balance right. So I think, in a way, it is better that you're you're blunt because yeah, they probably they probably don't ring you back, do they? You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not ringing that fella. He, he, he wouldn't he wouldn't touch in a stone chip for me. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I think you just have to like judge each case as it you know on its merits. Uh, today I had a. Um, a couple, young couple, come in to look at an A1, and I bought this particular car because it looked boring. I thought I'm going to throw a set of uh, Larry wheels on that because it had a great spec. It's leather and heat seats, you know, a great spec for an A1, and yeah. it's in that kind of battleship grey that seems to be quite popular. So I threw a set of wheels on him, and this uh, this sort of young couple turned up, and, and much to my disgust, he disclosed that he's an MOT tester stroke uh, mechanics. So I thought, okay, well, that's the end of that, then he's not going to buy this car because he <laughs> always find something wrong with it. And he went round it, and he picked a couple of holes in, you know, the cosmetic condition. I said, okay, it's fine, I understand, I'll get that done. It's, you know, it's a relatively new car, it's four years old. I said, I'll get those bits and pieces done. And I suppose I'm then getting into that territory where you just said, you know, you do too much, almost like give an inch and they'll take a mile. Yeah. But I kind of felt like, because he's buying it for his mum, he's just he lives local and his mum doesn't, he was kind of just being almost overzealous because he wanted he didn't want his mum saying, oh, well, like, you know, why didn't you pick that? Why didn't you pick that? Yeah. So I sort of just judged that. I'm not him necessarily trying to chip me down on price or trying to be, you know, a clever dick. He was just pointing out some... To be fair to him, fairly obvious cosmetic defects that I said I would rectify, and yeah. I don't feel like I've um, given him an inch. Now he's going to take a mile. At least I hope not. Time will tell. Yeah. I think you just have to sort of probably judge each case on the reverse of that. If you get someone in, and we've all had them, you know, like they're a little bit of a, you know, Jack the lads, you know, maybe perhaps they got their girlfriend or their wife with them, and they're sort of like, "Don't worry, love, I'll show you how to deal with this car dealer," and they and they want to take yeah. it to task. At that point, you know, it's kind of you then you then you, you then sort of revert into Mister. Mate, you're not going to get the steam off my piss. Never yeah. mind. You know, like you kind of you revert back into that. So I think you have to judge each one as it comes through the door and and try and you know move your yeah. you know or mod- modify your behaviour in, in tune with how the customer is with you. Really, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've so, said it a million times. It's like psychological this job, and you've just got to weigh up people, and 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 that's what it is at the end of the day. And it's really nice when you get a customer in that you just click with. You know, and everything's just dead easy. But then you think, why can't all the customers be like that? And then yeah, it'd be nice. Some, it'd be yeah. nice, wouldn't it? Yeah, but dealing with the general public, it's, it's certainly an eye-opener. My, my dad, uh, for many years, was a window salesman. Um, 
and he, you know, he said to me on numerous occasions, like, you just can't believe the crap that the general public will try and pull yeah. for the sake of a fiver. He said, you just yeah. won't believe it. And of course, I didn't believe it. I just thought he was just like moaning about his job sort of thing. And, you know, and, and it wasn't until I worked with the general public for, a, you know, a, a sustained period of time that I'm like, yeah, I can see what he was yeah. saying there, you know. But yeah, it'd be nice if everyone was a hands up white flagger, but I guess we have to yeah. we have to be paid to have our time wasted every now and then yeah. and we have to be paid to yeah. work for that uh, yeah. for that margin. Yeah. I love that saying. Paid to have our time wasted. So true. Yeah. So and like what what like the main struggles uh you, you come up against as a car dealer and like I'll just um, uh, stay strong minded. Yeah, yeah, I think it's probably going back to what I was just saying. I, I think probably dealing with fussy buyers. I struggle to sort of bite my tongue a little bit because most of the stuff I sell is, you know, up to sort of, I guess, anywhere from, you know, sort of four years old up to sort of 12 years old. Much beyond that, I'm not really going to get involved with. But, you know, people who fuss and mither over a car um, or they turn up and, you know, 21 people fall out of some old banger and then start fussing over stone chips on your, on your butt. Yeah, I struggle with that kind of, um, you know, so, so I think yeah. dealing with fussy buyers is, is probably the, the most difficult part of it, really. I mean, you know, we all experience the problems with buying and, you know, getting the phone to ring, and that's just standard day-to-day stuff. You know, every car dealer or business owner is going to struggle with, you know, quiet periods and, and how to get through them. But for me, I think I, I, I probably the main thing is, yeah, dealing. And I don't get too many of them, I suppose, really, mainly because I present my cars well. There's plenty of images. I do the videos, always have done, you know, I guess. So I don't get too many nitpickers but yeah. when I do I, I do struggle a little bit with that yeah yeah and you you know when you get them it's when you're quiet so like the minute we've oh, been a bit quiet and, yeah oh, it always seems to be the way when your phone hasn't rang for two weeks and you finally get someone to come out and they you know they then disclose within 30 seconds of meeting you that they've got five others to look at and yours yeah. is you know yours is probably the wrong color but yours was the nearest so they'd come to you first and you're just like you know you can feel the hairs coming out the top of your shirt and you just want to sort of turn into a werewolf and just growl at them and just, can you just please leave the business sort of thing. But yeah. generally speaking, in, in quiet periods, I, as we said earlier, I tend to sort of just, yeah, just grab a machine polish or just, you know, find something to do. Yeah. And just that's how I get through those sorts of, you know, yeah. those periods just by keeping busy, really. Just, just don't look. Just like, just don't look. But um, yeah. yeah, we had this jazz. Uh, it's like, 20, no, it had 16,000 miles on, beginning of this month, and a lady from London rang up, and she was like, wanted me to walk around video and all that, and, and she said, right, I've got a Golf to par X, um, and this jazz was like, I think it was like a 16, 17 plate, and her Golf, she wanted to par X, I was like, oh, well, yeah, well, what, what, what year is it, and all that, it was, it was an N-Reg, with like 100 odd thou, I was like, well... It's scrap, really. It's two hundred quid. She's like, "Oh, I want. I would like five hundred pounds for this." I'm like, oh, God, "I'm really sorry, but you know, the good thing is because because we've got a part. It's like we can deliver it to you for free, and and swap it." She was, she was like proper like grumbling about that, and yeah. the, there was one tiny little stone chip on on the door, like it was tiny, and. Uh, I forgot to touch it in. So when there, my uh, delivery guy, Dave, delivered it, he gets there and she's like, I'm so disappointed. She's like, you said that you were going to do this stone chip. 
I was like, I'm like, have you got some black nail varnish? I said, just just touch it in with that, and it'll, you know, it'll have gone. And uh, anyhow, she she like she. I was like, you don't have to have the calf. You don't want. I was like, it's no problems, whatever. Anyhow, she had the calf. Long story short, she had it. Brings the bloody golf back up here. The entire car, all the lacquer had peeled off it. There was like no lacquer left on it. Nothing. No, I'm thinking she wanted five hundred pound for it. So, Did you ask her if there's any fuel? You should have said, if there's, a, if, there's a, if there's a full tank of fuel, I'll give you 150 for it. You know, like, yeah. it's just like, it's, I can smoke it for a week. Like, <laughs> yeah. that may have just realigned her expectations a bit, really. So, yeah, yeah. I can't, um, I guess it's like people feel like they're trading in something very old and they're buying something very new. Um, and the reality is they're not buying something very new, they're buying something that's six years old or exactly. maybe three years it, it, old, but it's still, it was, it's not been new for a very long time. And it's that, yeah. there's that mindset, I suppose, of like, here's my 95, uh, 1995 um, Micra or whatever it was, and, and, and I'm buying your sort of like, you know, three year old jazz, and it's got to be like new sort of thing. Yeah. I think it's that mindset, really. If you bought a three year old iPhone, you wouldn't expect it to be brand new, would you? You, know, I mean, you wouldn't even expect it to hold a charge, would you? Never yeah. mind like the cosmetic condition of it, three it, years old. And exactly, like, exactly. So, what what's like your like for this time next year? Then what's your your aim then? Like your, um, your short term like, goals? I'd, yeah, I'd like to have a stock of thirty um, with sort of 25, 20 to twenty five advertised permanently. Um, I've recently found that. When I advertise over 14 cars, and I don't know if this is just a short-term thing, I'm very, um, I'm very sort of data-driven. I'm quite keen yeah. on sort of analysing data, and, and so I, I, I often look at things and think that's just a short-term trend, and you know, like a, you know, it's not, it's not a true reflection of what's happen- actually happening. But I've noticed that any time I advertise 14 cars or more. I'm very busy. My phone doesn't seem to stop ringing. Yeah. Anything less than 14 cars, I seem to go sort of like three or four days without so much as a call. And I don't know whether it is just like I say, a short-term trend or whether there is actually something in that and maybe, you know, the area that I'm in, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate that I've got, you know, very few car dealers around me. It may be the case that the more cars are advertised, the busier I'm going to get. So the only way of finding that out is, of course, advertising more cars, and that means having more cars, which yeah. um, which would require, you know, more finances. And as we know, money doesn't grow on trees. So, yeah, I guess in a year's time, I'd like to sort of be looking at 30 cars, and I have the capacity here to have that kind of volume. Um, yeah. So, yeah, around a stock of 30 cars and, and sort of – I don't think that's unrealistic compared to where I am now. I think it's a realistic – goal to have i suppose so, so you, um, and in terms of you know the stock profile again like i said earlier i don't really have much of a profile yeah. I, I, I lean towards certain cars but i don't necessarily say oh no that doesn't fit my profile so i'll trade it on if it's clean and straight and goes yeah. forward and backwards and it's a, a you know a bit of a, a bit of an old sort of banger but it's clean and straight and it'll do some return i'll give it a wash yeah. put a ticket on it and, and put it up for sale sort of thing so yeah i guess you know i'd like to have that kind of volume um, with a similar sort of profile next year. You know, if you so when you go up to thirty, so I seen like last night, seen you said that uh, your like stock average stock turn is what thirty seven days. Thirty seven days. That's yeah, right. so that's brilliant. That like mine's sixty at the minute, but I think if you go, see, do you think if you go to more cars, you're happier to have a shorter 
um, daily turnover, so like the thirty-seven day turnover. If you got thirty, would you would you be happy for it to go at forty-five, or would you still I want mean, to keep it that thirty-seven? I I'd, I'd, I I can't see why having more units would make any difference on that because all you're doing is multiplying, um, you know, a certain business model and growing that larger. Um, I guess there would become like a saturation point where you're amount of units for sale is uh, outweighing the demand in your area. So I guess, yeah. and I don't know where that point is, for all I know, that could be 50 units, I really don't know. Um, so I can't see why having another 10 units would would water down or extend my days to turn. I, I, I can't yeah. imagine why that would, would affect it grossly. Perhaps if I doubled them, like I say, then I might get to saturation point for my local area and I may see that days to turn increase. But yeah, anything up to 45 days, I think, is a reasonable and expected period for a car. Of course, you always get the anomalies. You know, the, the A1 I spoke about earlier, that sold in four days. And, you know, they've got a TT out there that's, you know, there was a, <laughs> I got into movie the other day and there was a spider's web in there. But, you know, that's how long it's been there. <laughs> yeah. So, so... Um, see, that, that's so good. strange, that, because we've had a, a, an A1 and that's been here since August. And then we had a TT... And that that went like within two weeks, so there's like there's just no rhyme or reason, is there? No, no. and there's no point in trying to figure it out. I've, I've learned that pretty quickly as well. As I said, I've not been in the industry very long, you know, three years or something. But I've learned pretty quickly that there is no point in trying to work out the rhymes and reasons as to why some cars sell quickly and others don't. You know, like trends change quickly. Rory from RS Car Sales often talks about trends, and you need to try and be ahead of the curve. And I know exactly what he's saying, and that that. That in itself is an art that takes years yeah. to learn. Yeah. Um, so there's uh, there's little point in trying to work it out, and it's the same when you're quiet. There's no point in trying to. Oh, well, why am I quiet? And people can quite often look towards blaming things. You know, oh, it's yeah, the, the economy. You know, like the World Cup's on, or Wimbledon's on, the kids are off school, the kids are at school, you know, like it's the summer holidays, it's Christmas. There's always going to be an exterior influence upon every business that may or may not cause you to be quiet. But I just really believe that it is just the case of the ebb and flow of business. An ice cream salesman is going to sell bugger all in December. Yeah. Yeah. That's a seasonal thing, I understand that. But it's just a very basic uh, illustration of what I'm trying to say, I suppose. And yeah. there's no point in trying to work out the rhyme or reason as to why you're quiet or as yeah. to why a certain car sells and one doesn't. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, if you've done everything you can, it's priced right. Maybe it's just not the right car. I've got, yeah. um, I've got, a, I've got a Peugeot at the moment, and I think I'm going to be buried with this thing. It just like, for, and, and it's got everything going for it. You know, pan roof, automatic. Yeah. You know, heads up display, which must be a pretty rare thing for. A Peugeot, anyway, reversing camera, you know, it's a, it's a nice main deal history. It's got everything going for it, and I think, yeah, that should have sold 20 days. You know, it's on 75 days, I think, at the moment, yeah. or something like that. And, like, I'm thinking, yeah, I'm going to be taking this to the grave with me. So there's no yeah. point in trying to work out it's just probably not the right car for your area or you're, you're too expensive. It's, yeah. You know, it can, only, it, can only be, it can only be that, really. And will you take a, a loss on it if you've just got to get rid of it? Yeah, now? absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm not somebody who cuts cars free very quickly um i'm not somebody who sort of gets the 30 days and thinks okay that's got to go and I, and, and I know a lot of supermarkets work on that basis yeah um but of course they work on volume and they work on small margins and they try and sell bits as they call you know like warranties and yeah. gap protection all that kind of thing um i'm not somebody who cuts cars 
prematurely loose. But if I'm starting to look and think, do you know what? And I check ad views and, you know, if there's a general lack of enthusiasm for the car, then uh, I'll look to trade it on because it may be better in someone else's area and somebody else may have just sold one or they yeah. might have a customer for one. You never yeah. know, you know. So I'd look at probably about 90 days would be my absolute, okay, this thing's got to go then and yeah. I'll get to a point where I don't want to reduce it in price anymore because I'm either working for a loss and then having to warrant that car and the you know the aggravation that can go go with that, I'd rather just trade it on yeah. Wipe me, wipe me yeah. mouth, yeah. And, and and move on, sort of thing. So I guess around about ninety days, I'm looking to just say, right, time to move this thing on, and and uh, and hopefully find a home for it somewhere else. Yeah. And with the uh, the portal, then, are most of your cars like in the green and the yellow for that performance? Yes. Right? You, how, yes. how many have you got in the red? Because this is no, what I think actually, in my yeah, head. And it, and it gives me it gives me the horrors when I wake up each morning and check the stats, and if I see one in the red, I'm like, oh my god, the world's ending, like so. <laughs> I, 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 and more often than not, I forget. It's only because I just uploaded it at like midnight the night yeah. before, and I'm like, "Why is that card performing so bad?" It's got one ad view. Like, oh yeah, you only uploaded it like six hours ago. So I think, yeah. like, okay, that that'll be why. So no, I don't. I generally don't have any in the red zone um, unless it's just freshly uploaded. I've probably got out of the sixteen. I think I've got two in the yellow. The, you know, and then probably five in the good green. Yeah. You know, like and then yeah. and then another sort of six or seven or whatever it is in the in the uh, in the. Uh, but quite often it doesn't really make much of a difference because I've had cars where I'm getting three or four ad views a day, and it sells twenty days later. And yeah. I've got cars that are getting seventy or eighty ad views a day, yeah. and I can't get the phone to ring for it. It's just yeah. it, I think it depends on what type of car it is as yeah. well. That obviously goes with the territory. But yeah, yeah I, I think I generally try and. And I don't get I don't get bent out of shape if the stats don't match what I want them to be. But I do keep a close eye on those stats because I think they are worthwhile paying attention to. You know, I've, I've been yeah. somebody who listens to Auto Trade from day one with regards to best practices, and I think you know they are um, they are quite knowledgeable about what sells cars. You know, they can't get it right all the time. You know, yeah. sometimes retail checker rating will be ninety five, and you're looking at it two months later and think, well, that's just a load of bollocks. What Auto Trader is saying, yeah. but there again. You know, they just they can't be responsible for every single car, but I think on balance, those stats that they provide in Portal are yeah. worth paying close attention to. Yeah, I mean, I've got four in in the red. Bloody hell, they've been in the red for ages, and I keep reducing them, and they're still in the red, and it's yeah. just so bloody annoying. But yeah, sometimes some, yeah. some cars it doesn't matter. It's not about price. It's some other influence, you yeah. know. Like more often than not, it's going to be about price, and it really depends what car. What, you know, if it's like I don't know, a five door Fiesta, one point two or one point four, you know, like automatic, then you know it's probably going to be about price because you could probably find quite a few of those. But if it's I've got an Alpina at the moment, and that's another one I think I'm probably going to be buried with, and the ad views on that are, are you know are sky high, but nobody's ringing about it, and me dropping a grand off that, it's not going to make any difference to the price. Yeah. It's just people are probably a bit frightened about paying ten grand for a 12-year-old car that's yeah. got 100,000 miles on, you know, so there, there's yeah. nothing I can do about that and chopping its legs off won't, won't affect that. So I guess every now and then you're going to end up with a few cars that it doesn't matter, drop yeah. your price, it's not about the price, it just is one of those cars that no bugger wants, it's just one of those things. Yeah, you've just got to wait for that right customer. The bum for the seat, as yeah. the goes. <laughs> and, uh, so is there any cars that you've had in stock that, like, you've sold and, and they still give you nightmares? 
none that I've sort of sold, and because I'm pretty quick to bring things to a conclusion. And my, my favourite trick is offering a refund very early if somebody is unhappy, because the way I look at it is that either they're going to be a prolonged nightmare of a car or a customer or both possibly, um, and it just gets obviously you know out of your life. But I find it a bit of you know it's almost like reverse psychology. So I kind of feel like if I offer someone a refund and say, yeah, I'm sorry you're unhappy, no problem, you know we'll give you your money back. Don't get me wrong, it doesn't happen often, like you know once every couple of months. But it, it's there's nothing else they can say back to that, David. It's almost yeah. like you know you've offered as much as anyone else would. I'll give you your money back and bring the car back, and it's no problem. And quite often it flushes people out as to finding out they're true. You know, intentions. They just want to try and get you know you to yeah. say, oh, "I'm sorry about that." Here's five hundred quid. Just shut, you know, shut up and go and go away, sort of thing. They're after the, the you know, their 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 angle is something else. But I've never really had a car that's just been you know a constant saga because I will either you know bring things to a, a pretty quick conclusion, either by a refund or uh, some kind of you know settlement. Look, here's five hundred quid. Will that make you happy, sort of thing? So, yeah. Yeah. Um, the only the only the only I suppose one that sticks in mind is is a car that I did about four and a half grand on it. It was in the early days. I bought a BMW X5, and um, I went and collected this thing myself. <clears throat> and um, it was it was knocking when you broke. Um, and I thought, okay, it was like a judder uh, rather than a knock. And I thought, okay, it could be you know like you know. Uh, discs fairly obviously yeah. but it wasn't there were bushes and then when I got this thing back to the garage it was overheating so I needed a new radiator and then all of a sudden it was just like it lit up like a Christmas tree there was just gremlins everywhere in this car and I think I gave like I gave like four four and a half grand with the intention of retailing around about sort of six and a half mark something like that because you know there's, there's decent margins in, in those lumpy X5s but I ended up selling it for 500 quid to some little um, you know urchin who just came and like i don't know if he was going to ship it back to the motherland or whatever he was going to do and he turned up with his you know with his truck and sort of like had a look through it and he's like oh there's there's this problem and, that. and i said yeah i know that that's you know and so do you so let's not you know let's not yeah. pretend this is, this is news to you how much is the price i said don't you know what the price is i've already told you and he smiled because he was trying it on and i think i've done about four and a half grand so in terms of sort of nightmares you know yeah. thinking about past cars that's probably one that sticks out in my mind yeah, as, yeah. As, yeah, as I feel quite sore about that one. I mean, it's, it hasn't put me off buying. I don't no. really stock X5s, not because of that, but because I think I just don't really like driving. I just think they're quite heavy yeah. cumbered in the car. I don't really like them. But yeah. but that one sticks out in my mind as one is just like, God Christ. And I look back now and think, good God. like. And it was like one of those scenarios where you just chuck good money off the badge. You know, now I would probably see the warning signs. Yeah. I'd drive the car. It'd be overheating. Of course, it overheats. It's a BMW. Yeah. And then I'd be like, okay, I need to look a bit more carefully at this before I go chucking sort of 300 quid at a, a radiator and a cooling system for it. And, and and I would approach things differently, but it was just one of those like money pits where you just yeah. throw money on yeah. and then I just had to pull up stumps, yeah. take 500 quid for it, just get it out of my life. And, yeah. But yeah, yeah. It's, 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 uh, yeah it's, that was the one that popped into mind, I think. Yeah, and um, I had some trader told me years ago, he went, just have three goals at a car and then if it's more than three, then he gets rid of it. But 
I'd like to say that I do that all the time, but sometimes you just get your leg in and you think, oh, be just one more thing and one that'll more. fix it. Yeah. Just one more, just one more. One, and one more go, yeah. I'll just, I'll, take it, I'll just take it somewhere else for a second opinion. I'll just take it to this guy who thinks he can code out this and like, yeah. and yeah, you just, you end up sort of just wearing this car as like, you know, a, a sort of a medal of honour yeah. towards the end of it. Like, and you just can't, you just can't cut <laughs> loose. It's, 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 I think it's something I've, I've learned and, and I'm not, I'm quite good at it, I suppose, really, that I do cut cars loose. And if I have to no. take a hit, I'll take it and, and just move it on. Yeah, um, of course. Yeah, I pontificate about things and sort of, you know, I do think about them for a few days. But once I've made a decision, it goes. I don't generally have um, sort of a dead zone. Craig from Sea Cars in Derby, he, he refers to it as his dead zone. I don't really have cars sitting in the dead zone for much more than a week or two. They're either getting fixed yeah. and sold or they're getting traded out and forgotten about and just moved on. I, don't, I try not to have them yeah. knocking around me too long if I can avoid it. Yeah, no, that's good. And another good way to get your head round it is say you get, say you've had that, you know, that bit of pill, you've lost three and a half, four grand, but then, you know, you might get par X in for 500 quid, but you can turn that into like two grand, can't you? And you get yes. 1,500. So even if you just get two or three of them a year, that's covered that cost, hasn't it? Yes. Yes, there's always opportunities to make your money back. Um, obviously, you know, you'd struggle to recover from, you know, like a 20 grand hit, you know, if you had to, yeah. you know, uh, I've got an M5 at the moment, which we were sort of discussing on that WhatsApp group, and, um, and and I was, you know, worried that I was going to end up with a, you know, a 25 grand retail car with like, uh, you know, a shagged engine that would, I'm not going to put a 30 grand engine in a 25 grand car, fairly obviously, so I was going to end up with a shell. I think if you had that kind of a loss, you'd struggle to recover from that mentally and financially. But yeah, sort of, yeah. we have to take these sort of four or five grand hits every now and then, once a year, twice a year, if you're unlucky, and just have to remember the times when you had a, a couple of parties coming that were a wash and go, yeah. 1500 quid out of them. There yeah. you go, you've wiped out two-thirds of your four-and-a-half-grand loss already just yeah. from two-part exits. So you have to remember those as well, but, but it can be difficult yeah. when you get bad news. You know, somebody rings you from a garage or you have a mechanic come out to you and say, yeah, you know, like, you might want to just weigh that thing in. It's worth it's worth the fuel. And it's, you know, like, you, you just yeah. ask God, and you have that bad news, and you, you, you think about it for a couple of days. Yeah, but, but, but like you were saying, you know, you know when you get it out of your life, you, you forget about it within a, you know you cleanse just... you know I have exercised the demons you yeah know, you, you feel <laughs> like you've just you know you've just got rid of like a you know a 10 pound tumour that you've yeah. been carrying around you just feel like cleansed so yeah. it's quite a good feeling you might be doing your conkers on you know financially you might be doing four and a half grand yeah but the satisfaction of just lodging that thing off and getting rid of it uh, wherever you dispose of it, and we all know there are various ways we can dispose of cars, um, you know, just getting rid of it, it's just, yeah, you, you, you feel quite cleansed, I have to say. Yeah, definitely. When, um, so when I was in Mallorca, my DJ days, and I'd, I'd save a bit of money up and um, I'd like put it into shares and whatnot, which was a terrible thing to do, to be honest. Uh, but I read this book, it's called Robbie the Trader, and to be honest, I've used these like formula with cars and basically what he does is he, he puts his money into stocks and he has them for like no more than three months and uh, if something's a bit like a car if it's not performing he just gets rid of it 
and he doesn't care if he loses like two or three hundred pounds because the way he looks at it, if he's got that stock for too long, there's only one way it's going and it's going to yeah. be going down, isn't it? So yeah. he just gets it's rid difficult. of it. it. It is difficult because you become emotionally invested in a car as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and especially if you know that the car, it may be one of these really irritating issues that happens once every 40 or 50 miles. It throws an engine management light on and you get a bunch of codes and you've replaced everything and there's just nothing. I think, you know, Rory's got a, a, I think a Golf or something like that at the moment and he's experiencing similar to, with that. And you know it's a decent car, but it's just got that one little issue. You can never retail it because you know within two yeah. weeks Coming someone's going to be on the phone to you. And you're back to square one and there's just no point in burying your head in the sand and hoping it goes away. So it can, you can get, you know, emotionally invested invested in cars as well as financially as well and it is difficult to let them go when you think oh it's a good car and it's almost like when people have got a scrapper like what you were saying earlier but they've known that car for 10 years of their life and yeah it might be a bit rough around the edges but you know it's been good for them cosmetically and they just need a bigger car or they just you know they're coming to some money they fancy something newer but they can't quite detach themselves emotionally from that so yeah. when you say to them 150 quid because i'm basically just going to weigh it in they look at you like you've just assaulted their children <laughs> and it's like it's 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 i suppose yeah. it's that you know it's the same for dealers you get emotionally invested in a car because you've, you've had it for a couple of months and you've been through the pain of getting to what the actual problem is yeah and now you can't quite let it go you know so yeah, it's, it's difficult it's a difficult thing to do and I, you know i can understand why people struggle to have cars um and 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 not do something with them you know they'll just you know just sort of leave them knocking about or they've got you know a dead zone as Craig yeah, calls it yeah yeah it, it, it's right and and like in that robbie the trader book what he says, like, when I get rid of my stocks, it's like, it's just a massive relief. It's like a weight off the shoulder, like you just said before. So, I but, was yeah. that book up, actually, Robbie, Robbie the Trader. He, yeah. he, he didn't waste any imagination with the name of it, did he? Like, no. I'll, have to, I'll have to look it up, I think, Robbie, Robbie the Trader. Yeah, it's, super, the like, it's got honest, it's really good book. And like you say, you can, you can use it for car dealing. It, it's really good. Um, so, like... I know we've been going on about auto trades. I assume that's sort of like you, you, the most important program to you. But is there any other apps and programs that you, you can't live without? Uh, what from a from a business point of view yeah. or a personal point of yeah. view? From business yeah. Well, point do you of view, know what, mate? Both, whatever. Um, well, from a business point of view, I think I would probably struggle without. Um, uh, HPI, I suppose, really, because of the kind of stock that I like to have in, which is, you know, specky sort of stuff. You know, I like to have, uh, yeah. I've got an A6 in at the moment, and it's got like nine grand's worth of spec. It's my ideal sort of car to have around. And without sort of HPI, spec check especially, um, yes, I know there are various apps and stuff, and I, I should become a bit more au fait with some of those because I know it probably saved me like three quid on a spec check. But I think HPI spec check I would struggle without. Um, and personally, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of massively into Netflix. I've discovered Netflix, and I know it's been a thing for a long while, but recently I've had a Sky Q box thrown in the house uh, because my one was, well, I think Moses was wearing short pants when, when I first had my um, Sky box. But so I've, I've, I've had it replaced, and um, you just press a button. I'm sure everyone's got these things now. It's not news, but I'll, I'll press a button, and I'll just say Netflix, and yeah. up it comes. And I just like I'm like oh there it is. So I've got into a program called Narcos, which is about. Oh, uh, mate, it's brilliant, isn't it? Oh, it's fabulous. Yeah, I 
fabulous. Like I'm literally hooked. Within ten minutes of yeah. watching this thing, I'm like, oh god, I'm I'm literally gonna, you know, my sofa would be turned into a latrine. I think yeah. I would just literally just sit there and not move for just hours. I think watching this is yeah. it's great. So I think I'd struggle at the moment with that Netflix. If somebody took my Netflix, said you know we're going to take one thing away from you, either your child or Netflix, I'd probably say, off you go, Harry. Away you go, son. Like, I'm, I've got Narcos, so I'm going away you go. Oh, brilliant. And um, so, best thing about being a car dealer? Being your own boss, quite frankly. Um, it's just, I am dreadful at taking um, orders. I would be a horrible, horrible employee now. I was employed for many years, then I progressed into being self-employed. This is before I was a car trader. So I kind of had a little bit, I suppose, a taste of what it was like to sort of be your own boss. Yeah. But I would be a horrific employee. I would just be falling out with my bosses left, right and centre. I was watching something on TV last night about the Savoy, which is obviously a hotel in London. It was uh, Christmas at the Savoy. And I think it might have been a repeat, but it's the first time I saw it. And there was a guy who was a butler, and his boss was literally talking to him like he was the biggest piece of shit on his shoe. Yeah. And I was like, how does he not clump him? You know, how does he not? just weigh him in and 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 <laughs> i just i couldn't i couldn't and I, I just i couldn't be someone's employee if, if i you know if the business failed and it all just turned to rat shit i'd have to find something else yeah. that meant I could be my own boss so best thing about being a car dealer is, is ultimately being my own boss and yeah i love cars always have since i was a young lad i had a, a ferrari and a lambo on my wall as a sort of a child yeah. um, my first car was a, a, my, my, a borrow of my dad's cavalier sri you know there's a 17 year old driving about in a two litre petrol car you know and since then i've just had a succession of gradually faster cars and it's never enough you know the faster you go the, the more you want so i love cars you know i like um gadgets in cars you know i, I enjoy all that element but when it boils down to the best part about it is being your own boss and yeah. it's, it's not letting anyone tell you what to do and I'd recommend self-employment to absolutely anyone because once you've once you've gone there yeah. you can't go back it's you can't you know imagine me walking into a main dealer now as a franchise first day on the job pair of shiny shoes and a and a tight fitting suit and just having some <laughs> dealer principal telling me that I needed to sell another two units like yeah go on fuck off out of it you know I'd, I'd just be, I would be a horrible horrible employee so yeah being, being my own boss yeah definitely definitely and uh, the good thing about like knowing about cars and whatnot, say it all did just you know you had a nightmare year and you had to start again. Like, if you did have to go back to, like, selling 10-year-old cars, you could do it. You could build it yeah. back up within four or five years, couldn't you? And that's the yeah, beauty I'm, of it. I'd have, I'd have a serious look at whether I wanted to, I suppose, really, because I'd look at it and say, well, if I've cocked it up once, you know, what's the chances of me? You know, and I've learned a lot. Uh, you know, you have to. Like, I've learned a lot, and, and I've got a lot of people that I've sucked information from you know yeah. people i've already mentioned rory from rs car sales nick from lovely cars craig from sc cars and yeah. mark from imperial marks you know there's people that i've befriended via the forums and the internet and i've yeah. sucked information from them and i like to think that you know you know if i can i'll give a give a little bit back you know if i can't then i'll send someone a christmas hamper or something like that you know i'm not i'm not just a taker and not a giver but yeah um I've sort of I've sucked enough information from these people and built up, you know, what I have. If it all turned to rat shit, I would probably stay in cars, but I'd, I'd maybe move into something along the lines of perhaps uh, coding cars. You know, I have an interest in yeah. the electronic side of things, you know, yeah. um, doing remaps and that sort of thing. Um, 
I would I would probably I would probably move into that sort of um, that that environment. I, I probably wouldn't go back to sales. But yeah, once you've you've kind of got that level of of knowledge and experience, it would be a shame to just go back to being yeah. a quantity surveyor. Not that I could, but yeah. Um, but yeah, it'd be a shame to wave goodbye to it all. No, you, you're not doing that, are you? And uh, what's your favourite quote or saying in life? I have one, uh, um, a sort of uh, a saying, and it's it's a reference to if you've got a dicky tummy, uh, you know, if you, if you if you need the, the loo more often than you should do, and um, the, the the common saying is like it's like a flock of starlings referring to what's coming out of you. Mine <laughs> is is uh, it's like a load of old shoes falling out of a loft. <laughs> That's my that's Brilliant. that's one of my favourites, I suppose. Really. Mate, so, yeah, I've, I've never heard that. that I've never mind. heard yeah. it. No, honestly. yeah, it's quite a unique one. I can't remember where I heard it myself, but yeah. I've got I've, I've acquired quite a few of those working in construction and as bench joiner yeah. on the tools years ago and stuff. Yeah. I've acquired quite a few of those that I like to roll out every now and then. I'm certainly not claiming credit for them. I've definitely not made them up, but I've borrowed them, sucked them, nicked them from someone else yeah. sort of thing. And, um, yeah, but that would probably be one of my favourite. Possibly not the best way, I suppose, to end the conversation on the podcast, <laughs> though, but nevertheless, you did ask and I did Brilliant. too. Brilliant. And um, so, like, where can people, if you don't mind people getting in touch with you and whatnot, where can they find you? Um, where can people find me? Elite Crown Vehicle. .co.uk just simple as yeah. that really the company not, name you're on Instagram and Facebook anything yeah, like I that yeah I do have that yeah I, there's a little link on the website but yeah if somebody uh, if somebody wants to you know give me a call there's a telephone number on there um, and uh, yeah if people want to ring me up for any pearls of wisdom uh, about shoes falling out of lofts or <laughs> steam off piss that kind of thing then they'll be more than welcome and I'll bore them to tears with uh, with sales, but uh, as for advice about car sales, probably leave that to the more seasoned expertise people out there. Brilliant, thank you, mate. So, and just right. So, yeah, mate. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Uh, thank you for having yeah. me on. It's uh, it's. I've, I've listened to the majority of the podcast. You, you know, it's kept us all going through uh, through some quiet times and lockdown and stuff. And you're a brave man doing it because it's a thankless task and it's not something I'd do personally. Yeah. So, fair play to doing it. And thanks very much for for, for having me on. And hopefully, uh, somebody can get something out of it. God knows what, but yeah. uh, hopefully, <laughs> someone can get some, can get something out of it anyway. <laughs>